the reading of God's Word, let's turn to Romans 8. <clears throat> Romans 8. And to give honor to God's Word, because it is the Holy Word of Life, let's stand as we read together Romans 8, starting in verse 6. We'll read 6 through 11. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray together. Glorious Lord, we pray that you would bless this, your word. We pray that you would help us to be those who live not according to the flesh, but according to your Holy Spirit. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever heard of a litmus test? Um, there's some talk of litmus tests in politics, but um, litmus tests are actually uh, something used in science. Um, I, for those of you who know me that I keep aquariums, sometimes you have to test water with, with paper litmus tests. Nowadays, we use electronic probes instead of uh, these paper litmus tests. But the way it works is that you have this little piece of paper, and it's infused with, I guess I can just say that the, the paper itself is infused with some sort of chemical so that it reacts with different types of water, and it tells you by color coding what kind of water you have. Whether it's neutral, it might be green, or if it's acidic, it'd be red, or if it's basic, it'll turn like a dark purple. And that's important because if you try to drink water, like let's, let's say people are testing water at, at, the, at the water station here where they supply water for Pineville. If they're testing water, you don't want water that's acidic. It'll burn through your body. <laughs> and you don't, water, you don't want water that's basic or alkaline because that'll burn through your body as well. My parents used to use alkaline um, chemicals to strip paint off the floors. And imagine what that would do to you, right? Especially if you take some water that's really strong of that sort. So this litmus pet paper, litmus test, was used for chemical testing. Now there are litmus tests in other fashions. Uh, in politics, there's a litmus test question. Some people say to see whether or not this candidate, this candidate for po for political office, is fit or not. Now, what about those who want to go in for the gospel ministry? Well, I would say. There's not really one litmus test, but many, you know, 
you have to have an ability to speak or preach. You have to have an ability to, to be examined theologically and be able to answer uh, verbally, not, not just written, but verbally. You have to have a faithful Christian life and other such things. If you don't pass those litmus tests, um, you're not able to pursue um, the licensure, which is a litmus test, and then later on, the ordination exams. But today's text gives us a litmus test of sorts for Christians to see if one is truly those who belong to God or not. And that test examines whether or not you have the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God in you or not. So let's, before we move on to that, let's get a little context of this uh, book of Romans. Romans um, was an epistle written by Paul to a church at the time of his writing he had not yet visited. Um, Paul did later go to Rome when he was under house arrest after he appealed to Caesar, and he remained under house arrest until he, he went before Caesar. But um, the scripture doesn't record for us any of the apostles going and ministering to the people in Rome to then help start this church. I believe if you go back to Pentecost, remember in Pentecost you had people from all these different nations and tongues who were gathered and, and all heard the word of God being preached by these Jews, especially by Peter. Um, during that time, it's mentioned in Acts chapter 2 that there were visitors from Rome, Jewish people, including proselytes. So it's possible that those people at the Pentecost event heard the gospel being preached, believed the gospel, were baptized, taken into the church, and took that gospel back to Rome and started a congregation there. Um, the congregation in Rome was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And as we'll look at later, there's some mention of renown of their faith being talked about widespread in a widespread fashion. Um, one thing to remember, of all the epistles of Paul, and maybe of all the epistles in the entire New Testament, there are very few epistles that have as much, I would call, systematic theology. You could say that this is almost like the systematic theology of the whole Bible. It's one of the keys to understanding what much of the other passages of Scripture teach. As we focus on today's text from Romans 8, 6 through 11, primarily verses 8 and following, the focus we will have is that the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead must dwell in you. So the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead must dwell in you. And we'll look at this in two main points. Christians are of the Spirit and not of the flesh. Christians are of the Spirit and not of the flesh. And the second point is the Spirit who raised Jesus gives you life. The Spirit who raised Jesus gives you life. Let's look at this first main point. Christians are of the Spirit and not of the flesh. 
verses 8 and 9. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Uh, Charles Hodge, in his commentary on uh, this epistle, especially concerning verse 9, wrote this. He paraphrased this verse, saying, Ye are not carnal, but spiritual. In other words, you are not fleshly, but spiritual, you could say, if you're a Christian. That's the test, if you're a Christian or not. Um, He went on to write, The Spirit so to speak, is the element in which you live. Think about that. What's, what does it mean to say the element in which you live? Well, what about a fish? What does a fish live in? fish lives in water. What, is a, what kind of element does a cow live in? It lives in pasture. What kind of element does uh, the bird or the eagle in, in, at Kasachi Forest live in? They, li- they live in the treetops. Of the pines and they nest there and they and they they live in the forest lands and and, and basically have prey on small animals and medium-sized animals what what is our element our element is living in the spirit so when that, that's when when Charles Hodge says the element in which you as a Christian are to live is the spirit the spirit is the element in which you live he goes on to write, we, um, oh, he says that the, uh, such were the, the Roman Christians. They were by profession and by repute or reputation uh, having a faith that was spoken of throughout the world. We may be members of his church and united to him and being included in the number with his people, in other words, we're church members, yet unless... We are partakers in the vital union which arises from the indwelling Holy Ghost. We are only in Him by name only. So in other words, you can be a member of a church, like the members of the Roman church were members of the church in Rome. You can have people speak well of you, but if you're not having the indwelling Spirit, you are in name only a Christian. What proves that you are a Christian is whether you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. According to verse um, 9 of today's test, the litmus test for a Christian is whether or not the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. In other words, he does not belong to God if he does not have the Spirit of Christ. Okay, now, maybe you haven't heard this, maybe you young people haven't heard this, but which is he talking about, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ? Well, both. If you hear the words Spirit of Christ, that is, you could say, a synonym for the Holy Spirit. Another one is mentioned in Galatians 4, the Spirit of His Son. In other words, the Holy Spirit is often called the Spirit of His Son. Let's turn to Galatians 4. 
This is, you could say, another test of a, of a Christian, of a, of a true believer from Galatians 4. A little bit of a long passage, but I, I want to get the context here. Galatians 4.1 Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we... While we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, because you are sons. God sent forth the Spirit of his Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So again, notice that we just read that in verse 6. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of His Son. If you have the Holy Spirit, you should be able to do this. You should be able to cry out, Abba, Father, um, in, in a way that is with sincere faith, saving faith. We'll keep reading verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those uh, which by nature are no gods. But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. So here's the context. You have Jews who were brought up under all these Jewish practices, these Jewish feasts, these ceremonial laws, laws of cleanliness, uh, dietary laws, and they were given the gospel. And then Judaizers came in and wanted to confuse them. And some of them left their faith in Christ to go back to the elementary, the elemental things. The, they wanted to be back under the tutor rather than being a son of the God Most High through Jesus Christ. So here, you could say, was a litmus test at this time in history of people going back to their old ways rather than sticking with the gospel as revealed through Jesus Christ, salvation through Him alone, and not through uh, the ceremonial law and other such practices. Key here is verse 7. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God, and the spirit of his son causes you to cry out, Abba, Father. As we read through Galatians 4, and as we read through our text tonight, you might ask yourself, 
if the litmus test of whether I'm a Christian or not is if I have this indwelling spirit, how do I know I have the indwelling spirit? What could I do to find out? Well, um, one of the key places, since we're already in Galatians, is just go over one more chapter, Galatians 5. Galatians 5, starting at verse 16. Well, here, here's, we'll start first of all to know how it is that you can be assured that you are not walking in the Spirit. Verse 16. But I say, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So those not in the Spirit will do this. They'll live like this. The desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, Strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, say divisions, um, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if your life is marked by those things, if your life is consumed by those things, even though you might go to church, you are not indwelt by the Spirit. Instead, you are carrying out the desires or the deeds of the flesh. Verse 22. But, this is the evidence that you're indwelt with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, goes on verse 24. Now the, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, key here. When we read in verse 24, those who are, are belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. What does that look like? Does that look like a person who is no longer sins? No. But they have broken the bondage of sin. Do they still sin? Yes. But sin has no longer taken dominion over them. And we'll look a little bit more at that in, in, a, in a bit. And we'll get back, let's get back to Romans uh, chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 10. It says, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. None of us do this perfectly. 
Yet a true Christian is to die to sinful practices and is to live a life that is evidenced by growth in righteousness. Again, it's not perfect, but there's some growth there. You are no longer a slave in bondage to sin. Instead, you are a slave to righteousness. Now, um, in my day growing up, uh, there was... I, I I started drinking at age thirteen uh, when I in South Louisiana, and I could get uh, really really drunk, and it never really bothered me. Now, I could, there's no way I could want to do that. My conscience would torture me if I if I ever did that again. Well, I mean, but there are people who still, I mean, I drink in moderation, but there are people who still struggle with it. But the key here is that a Christian cannot continue sinning with impunity. That means with license or with an absolute freedom. Because why? He's no longer a slave to sin. He's a slave to righteousness. Instead of having that sin around his ankle, like the, you remember the chain gang that worked on the railroads? They would have a, a chain bound to their leg with a big lead heavy ball. And the reason they did that was they couldn't run away. That's what we had on us if we were a slave to sin. We were like on the chain gang, bound by the chain, bound by that weight of sin, but now we are bound by righteousness instead of being a slave of sin, a slave of righteousness. Now, if you examine yourself and you say, well, I'm not where I should be in my spiritual walk. Now, which of us are? I've yet to find any person, any Christian who was vibrant in their faith to ever say, I, I think I have arrived last week with my sanctification. Uh, I, I think I've grown in holiness to the point that I wanted, and uh, I, I'm good with that. I'm going to stay right here in, in my, my Christian walk. I'm, I don't think I need to grow any further. Uh, scripture says we should be content, right? But the one thing you shouldn't be content with is your growth in holiness. So the next question is, how do you grow in holiness? The text gives us the answer. You need to tap into the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Look at uh, the second point. The Spirit who raised Jesus gives you life. The Spirit who raised Jesus gives you life. Verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. To raise someone from the dead is a supernatural, awesome work of God. It is an awesome work of God's Holy Spirit. But it's that same power that raised Jesus from the dead that can raise you to new life and new obedience in Christ. Remembering the resurrection is not something that we should do only on Easter Sunday. It's something for every Sunday. But let's go further. 
For a Christian, the resurrection is not something you think about only on Sunday. It should be for every day of the week. The work of Christ for your sake, His being raised for your sake, His ascending into heaven for your sake is something that we should have set upon our minds 365 days a year. I've been in Reformed Presbyterian uh, circles and churches. I was a member of a Reformed Presbyterian church since the 1990s, and I came out of Roman Catholicism. But in the Roman Catholic Church, and especially in the Presbyterian Church, I've never heard someone come up to me and say, Brother, you need the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I told one of you guys, or you ladies, you need the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you might say, Kevin's turning into Pentecostal. I'm only using the language of the Bible, though. But you know what? We need the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the text says. Look at verse 11. He, that's the Holy Spirit, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also live uh, give life to your mortal body uh, through His Spirit who dwells in you? So the answer is, yes, each of you need the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit working in you. To grow in grace, you need the vibrant, working, fruit-bearing spiritual life that can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Such life will not produce anything other than the desires of the flesh if the Spirit is not present. If the Spirit is not in you, you will not be victorious over sin. You will not have progress in your sanctification. You will not have the fruit of the Spirit. Instead, your life will be marked more and more by the deeds of the flesh, as we read earlier. Now consider someone who's in the pool and uh, he's needing to be saved because he's at risk for drowning. Maybe it looks like the person's in a pool. And there's a couple of scenarios I want to imagine. Uh, the first is a person's flailing around, splashing around. They're desperately trying to tread water to not drown. Well, I mean, it's not the backstroke, or uh, it's not pretty, it's not a good form, but there's life there. You can, that person can be rescued. Um, now, the other occasion is you look at someone in the pool, and they're laying in the pool face down, and their head's under the water, and they're not moving at all. That's not a good sign. There can be Christians like that, or professing Christians in both categories. One of the signs of life is that movement, that vigor, that even, it doesn't even have to look pretty, but you see something there. There can be something to be seen. And I want us to look at uh, page uh, nine seventy. Four in the back of your hymnal, page 974. And I think that this is what, this speaks to what we, we look at in our text. 974, 
Now, if a person has, we'll look at verse, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Shorter Catechism, question and answer 87. If a person has the Spirit of Christ in them, they will have what we would call the repentance unto life. And what does that look like? What is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin, an apprehension, that's a grasp, of the mercy of God in Christ, doth, with grief and hatred of his sin, turn from it unto God, with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. The person who's in the water, treading water, desperately desiring to live, can be compared to one who has this endeavor after new obedience. There's life there. But the person who says, I, could, I believe in the Lord Jesus. I walk the aisle. Yeah, I could live any way that I want. That, you know what? They might profess. They might have a name Christian. They might say they're Christian. They might even have membership at a church. But if there's no vibrant fruit of the Spirit, if there's no spiritual life, if there's no repentance unto, the, unto life, if there's no apprehension or care about what Christ has done, if there's no grief and hatred for sin, if there's no turning from sin, if there's no endeavor after new obedience, it's all talk. But there's no spiritual life there. What do we need? We need the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Remember that the Spirit who raised Jesus must dwell in you. If you profess to be a Christian, endeavor to examine yourself and see if that Spirit is dwelling in you. Do you still have your life characterized by the desires of the flesh? Or is your life more characterized by the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I, 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 one of my first recollection, recollections of being a Christian was a Christian brother talked about being fruit inspectors. You know what? There's nothing wrong with being a fruit inspector, especially in our own lives. Christians are to be of the Spirit and not of the flesh. But again, if you examine yourself and you say, well, I'm not where I should be, embrace the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. That same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead can give life, spiritual life, to your mortal bodies. Let's pray together. Our glorious God, thank you for your holy word, and we thank you for this Easter that we can celebrate the resurrection. And we do ask that that same power that you wrought by your Holy Spirit to raise your Son, Jesus, that that Spirit would work mightily. Your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of your Son would work mightily in our hearts and minds. Help us, we pray, to conform our minds unto the things of Scripture. Help us, we pray, to conform our lives in accordance with your 
a holy scripture. And we pray that you would help us to be those who are marked by repentance, who are marked by an endeavor after new obedience. May this be something that is characteristic of us, not only today, but next week, next year, and even to the end of our lives. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's uh, stand and sing 365, Thine be the glory. Let's stand and sing 365.